Hey friends, are you struggling to attract and retain top talent? If you're worried about recruiting and retention, consider Insperity, a leading HR provider. They'll help you improve hiring and compensation practices so you can spend more time growing your business and less time on HR. Visit Insperity.com and download their free ebook on how to build your dream team. Don't let a lack of talent hinder your success. See how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference at Insperity.com. As news broke of the WikiLeaks release of thousands of Democratic National Committee emails demonstrating DNC coordination with the media and the Hillary Clinton campaign to help sink the candidacy of Bernie Sanders, the media began spinning. This was all the work of the nefarious Russians working to get Donald Trump elected. Representative Adam Schiff, Democrat in California, he's the ranking member of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. He said, quote, Given Donald Trump's well-known admiration for Putin and his belittling of NATO, the Russians have both the means and the motive to engage in a hack of the DNC and the dump of its emails prior to the Democratic Convention, unquote. Apparently, Ivan Drago is sitting somewhere behind a computer muttering, if she dies, she dies. (laughs) Except that two things can be true at once. The DNC can be a deeply corrupt pro-Hillary super PAC, and the Russians can actually be stumping for Trump. According to Eli Lake of Bloomberg, quote, many cybersecurity experts, as well as the Hillary Clinton campaign, are now saying the Russians are responsible for last month's hack of the DNC. Here's the New York Times, quote, researchers have concluded that the National Committee was breached by two Russian intelligence agencies, which were the same attackers behind previous Russian cyber operations at the White House, the State Department, and the Joint Chiefs of Staff last year. So here was Trump's response to these reports via Twitter. Quote, the new joke in town is that Russia leaked the disastrous DNC emails, which should never have been written stupid because Putin likes me. Well, Putin does like him, and Trump sort of likes Putin. Essentially, the only major platform change at the Republican National Convention involved the Trump team tearing out a section, endorsing giving the Ukrainians weapons they needed to defend themselves from Russian invasion. The original amendment said, quote, today, the post-Cold War ideal of a Europe whole and free is being severely tested by Russia's ongoing military aggression in Ukraine. The Ukrainian people deserve our admiration and support in their struggle, unquote. The Trump people had the amendment tabled, and then they amended it from providing lethal defensive weapons to Ukraine to, quote, providing appropriate assistance. Then there's the cozy relationship between the Trump campaign manager, a guy named Paul Manafort, and the Russians. Manafort worked as a lobbyist for former Ukrainian strongman Viktor Yanukovych for over a decade. Yanukovych was, of course, working closely with Vladimir Putin. And last week, if you remember, Trump said openly he might allow Russia to overrun NATO countries in the Baltics. So, all it took for Democrats to worry about the Russians was their hacks doing political harm to Democratic god queen Hillary Clinton. The Democrats didn't care when Hillary put her emails on unsecured servers, exposing classified material to prying eyes. They openly mocked Mitt Romney when he said the Russians provided the greatest geopolitical threat to America. And they didn't care when Putin took over Syrian policy and invaded Ukraine. But when it comes to Hillary, by God, this madness must end. It won't, though. The chickens may come home to roost if the Russians did indeed hack Hillary's server. And she's got to be up nights thinking about the possibility that Putin dumps her destroyed emails publicly one week before the election, all of which would be politically delicious. But remember, this is an election in which there are no good outcomes. The same Putin currently slapping Hillary through WikiLeaks apparently wants Donald Trump president for a reason. Oh, boy. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The tend to demonize people who don't care about your feelings. Okay, so here we are. And uh, again, welcome to our friends on Facebook Live. We will be going about 15 minutes here, and then we will be, and then we'll be moving over to DailyWire.com. Tons to get to today. We're going to start, obviously, with the dumpster fire that is now raging out of control at the DNC. See, last week you thought the RNC was crazy. So the Democrats said, anything you can do, we can do worse. So they decided to come along and do their own version of this, and it is high-freaking-larious. It it's really, really funny, guys. It's, it's hilarious. Okay, so let's start with this. If you recall, just a few months ago, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, right, the head of the Democratic National Committee, she was accused by the Bernie Sanders campaign of basically rigging the primaries in favor of Hillary Clinton. And she said, no, this is nonsense. No one would ever do anything like this. Clip 25. Here's flashback Debbie Wasserman Schultz. To the skeptics who say that the superdelegates are really just there to make sure that, you know, the party gets who the party wants, and the party wants Hillary Clinton, what do you say to them? Because we've had, we've had unpledged delegates since 1984, and there isn't one time that we've had our nominee be elected by anything other than pledged delegates. Conspiracy theories are just that. Conspiracy theories are just that. 
except when they're really out to get you. Because it turns out now the Russians hacked the Democratic National Committee and they released 20,000 emails basically showing that the DNC wanted Hillary all along, which is not that crazy because Bernie Sanders is a wild man. But it does show that this thing was rigged. And that was Bernie's original accusation. So now all of this stuff comes out and that's when it gets super fun because the Bernie Sanders supporters are not taking this lying down. I mean, they should have just passed out some weeds to the Bernie Sanders supporter and told him to go home. But instead... They decided that they would have them there, and things got really crazy. So it's really funny. Here is Debbie Wasserman Schultz this morning, Jar Jar Binks, this morning, speaking to a crowd, and it did not go the way that, that Jar Jar wanted it. Misa! on MSNBC, Wasserman Schultz receives cheers at Florida delegation breakfast. Does this sound like cheering to you, gang? She's being booed off the stage. I mean, she legitimately has to leave. Like, right after this, she leaves. And I love when she says, can we just calm down? Let's all just, let's all just get it under control. Okay, school marm. Let's just, how about you get it under control, considering you're the one whose charge was not to rig this thing, and you rigged this thing. So things get even more awkward from there, because this is great. I mean, honestly, look, if we're going to hit the end of the world in this election, we might as well have some fun doing it, gang. And this is the fun part. People keep saying, I say to myself, oh, I can't wait for this terrible election cycle to be over. And then I realize that one of these two people will be president, and I go, oh. So this is actually the fun part, so we might as well have some fun. So Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders yeah, he sees all of this, and he sees all the emails come out. Every Wasserman Schultz has now resigned, right? She's now, she's now dropped her job. This is my favorite thing about it. She, she leaves. The person who replaces her is Donna Brazil. Donna Brazil is also a member of Hillary Clinton's kind of inner cabinet. So that, that really didn't do anything. And here's the best part. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, just a moment ago, she, she, was, she was saying she wanted to gavel in the convention, and then she realized that she would basically be booed all the way through. So she said, I'm not going to gavel it in anymore. The person who replaces her, is Stephanie Rawlings Blake. If you remember that name, that's because she's the mayor of Baltimore who said that when there were riots in her city, she wanted to give the rioters space to destroy. She's the one gaveling in the convention. Pretty amazing stuff. So Bernie Sanders, uh, you know, first he said yesterday, he said Debbie Wasserman Schultz should resign. I asked and demanded uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz's resignation many, many months ago. Uh, and I state that again. I don't think she is qualified uh, to be uh, the chair of the DNC, not only for these uh, awful emails which revealed the prejudice of the DNC, uh, but also because we need a party that reaches out uh, to working people and young people, and I don't think uh, her leadership style is doing that. Okay, and then Donna Brazil comes out and she says, well, Debbie Wasserman Schultz has to leave. She has to leave. Um, first of all, as vice chair, I went over yesterday uh, to see the Sanders campaign, and I apologize. I, I, I think uh, the allegations, the emails, the insensitivity, um, the stupidity um, needs to be addressed, and we are going to address it. So what does that mean? Uh, it, it means that, this, this, first of all, this is, this is not just a one-day leak. There will be a substantial number of emails that I understand that will be leaked over the next couple of days, weeks, months, because it was not a one-month breach or a two-month breach. Uh, come to find out the, the Russian hackers, and I have no conspiracy theories in my hands. I don't know. They, Bobby Mook said some. <laughs> no, they've been involved. Uh, they were in, in our system at the DNC for well over a year, so we will learn more. Will some people have to step down, uh, be removed, uh, resign? I'm sure at the end of the day, yes. Okay, so this is pretty spectacular stuff. She says that W. Wasserman Schultz must step down. Then, of course, who, who replaces W. Wasserman Schultz? That lady, right? Only one problem. Here's some stuff from the WikiLeaks emails about Donna Brazil. So it says, this is from Donna Brazil to the DNC, quote, I have no intention of touching this. This is, was, this is a question from the Washington Post. Hi, Donna. Do you have a minute to chat today? Wanted to ask you about this fight between the Sanders camp and DNC over adequate representation on the platform committee and others ahead of the convention. And then Donna Brazil writes back, I have no intention of touching this. Why? Because I will cuss out the Sanders camp. That lady is the new head of the DNC, right? Being Taking over for the lady who was just ousted. There's another one, too. Here's another WikiLeaks email. Here's Donna Brazil to the DNC. 
Okay, so originally she was written, Donna, I wanted to make sure you saw the statement yesterday on the Sanders endorsement. She said, I saw it this a.m. How stupid. Don't know how to respond to Bernie anymore. That's the lady who's taking over the DNC so she can play honest broker with the Bernie Sanders supporters. But don't worry, gang, it gets even better. It's awesome. So here's the next thing, right? So Hillary Clinton comes out, and she has to make a statement now on Debbie Wasserman Schultz resigning because she had rigged this whole system. So this is it. I love this so much. It makes me so happy. So here, here's her statement. Quote, I want to thank my longtime friend Debbie Wasserman Schultz for her leadership of the Democratic National Committee and her service on the Intergalactic Council. No, 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 just over the past five years. I am grateful to Debbie for getting the Democratic Party to this year's historic convention in Philadelphia. I know this week's events will be a success thanks to her hard work and leadership. There's simply no one better at taking the fight to the Republicans than Debbie, which is why I am glad she has agreed to serve as honorary chair of my campaign's 50-state program to gain ground and elect Democrats in every part of the country and will continue to serve as a surrogate for my campaign nationally in Florida and in other key states. I look forward to campaigning with Debbie in Florida and helping in her re-election bid. Okay, so here's how this worked. Debbie Wasserman Schultz is at the DNC, rigged the election for Hillary Clinton, right? Put her thumb on the scale for Hillary. She leaves. Hillary hires her. Right? That's how this works. And she's right now, Hillary right now is trying to consolidate the party around, around herself, right? And she wants Bernie Sanders to jump on board. Chuck Todd over at NBC News, he says, oh my God, this is insane. This is really not particularly smart. Well, very interesting decision, though, by the Clinton campaign to essentially employ her, because then that is only going to make some Sanders people go, aha, this is her. She owes Debbie something, and that's why they, it's an interesting decision. It may only feed some conspiracy theories anyway. Okay, yeah, you think? You think? Maybe because that's true. Because it was. Debbie's a loyal gal, and she's running the DNC, and she's ensuring that I take the crown. First of all, it's, it is pretty amazing that Hillary felt the necessity to use the DNC to cram herself down over, over Bernie Sanders. I mean, Bernie Sanders is a 74-year-old nutbag socialist, and she still can't put him away. Right? She has to do Watergate-style stuff where she's using the DNC to target her political opposition. It's pretty incredible. Now, here's the best—we well, we haven't gotten to the best part, gang. Really, like, it's so good. Okay, so Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton is on 60 Minutes, and she's asked about this email scandal, about the DNC email scandal. Now, understand— 60 Minutes, notice this little icon in the corner. It says 60 Minutes Overtime. So, on 60 Minutes, they're asked a bunch of questions. She's sitting next to Tim Kaine, her boring, vanilla vice presidential pick. You can't separate Tim, it's Tim Kaine from legitimately another white man above the age of 50 walking around in America. And they're sitting together talking, and they don't make any news. There's only one piece of news, what she has to say about the email scandal, right? 60 Minutes slices it out and puts it online. Right, they don't broadcast it. They put it 60 minutes overtime. So they put it on their website because Scott Pelley and CBS News are a disgrace. So here's Scott Pelley asking Hillary Clinton about the email scandal from the DNC. And they seem to have their thumb on the scale for you. They seem to be working against Bernie Sanders, their fellow Democrat. Again, I don't know anything. I don't know anything about uh, about these uh, emails. I haven't followed it. But I'm very proud of the campaign that I ran. And I'm very proud of the campaign right. that Senator Sanders yeah. ran. In your view, any effort in the DNC to favor one candidate or another would have been improper? Again, I don't have, I don't have any information about this. And so I can't answer specifically. We ran our campaign. We ran hard. We worked to have as many uh, successes as possible. I'm very proud that we got more votes than anybody else running, including Donald Trump. Uh, and I am very uh, grateful uh, for the campaign that Senator Sanders ran because we ran a campaign based on issues, not insults. So I can't speak to what people who were not working for me, um, who were uh, but, saying but, whatever they were saying. Okay, we can stop there. I can't but, speak but, to that. I can but, only speak to my campaign. But they are working for you now. Right. <laughs> Debbie Wasserman Schultz is working for a old corrupt lady. Come on. I mean, really? Really? OK, so I love that. I love he asks her. He asks her straight out. Would it be corrupt? Maybe if you were to if you were to do this routine, if if if, if there was a thumb on the scale, would that be corrupt? And she goes, I don't know anything about corrupt. I don't know anything about the DNC. I don't know. What are you speaking of? Who am I? Why am I here? Where did I get this pantsuit? Did I get this pantsuit from Violet Beauregard? Where is it from? So it's, it's just amazing. Okay, so here's the punchline. So all of this happens. Now Bernie Sanders is in the world's most awkward position. 
Right? Bernie Sanders is supposed to endorse her today. He's giving a big keynote speech tonight. So he's addressing supporters before the big keynote speech tonight. And Bernie Sanders doesn't have it in him to do the Ted Cruz routine. He's not going to get up there and not endorse Hillary Clinton. So he tries it out this morning, the endo- and he's already endorsed her, the endorsement of Hillary Clinton. And it goes extremely poorly. This is clip 26. This just happened, like literally a few minutes ago. And we have got to elect Hillary Clinton and Tim Kaine. (laughs) 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 I love it so. And he's just standing there with his arm up in the air. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know where he is. He's just, I do not know why I am here or why I'm endorsing this old, terrible woman. But since I must do that, and I, I like the beach ball in the front. Like, they're just, it's just a party for the Bernie bros. They're just beating around the beach ball and booing him when he says endorse Hillary Clinton. Oh, spectacular, spectacular stuff. So it's, this is the beauty. Okay, so the Democratic Party is falling apart. So right now in the polls, Donald Trump is now ahead. He's jumped into a lead in most of the polls. There have been like four polls since the convention. On average, he's up about three points. He actually had a significant bump. And we'll talk about that, the, the bump in a little while because it really does speak to both Hillary and Trump. But it's, it is amazing that one of, one of the reasons that Hillary Clinton is falling apart is because she's so wildly incompetent. Everyone hates her. She's so corrupt. And it would just be, wouldn't it just be poetic justice if she set up this private email server to protect herself from public scrutiny and then the Russians hacked it and then the Russians dumped all of her deleted emails on the public two weeks before the election? Wouldn't that just be, deli- for, forget about Trump versus Hillary for a second, just in terms of Hillary, wouldn't it be amazing, delicious, wonderful, poetic justice? And wouldn't it be just the custard pie of poetic justice if that were to happen? Oh, it would be so glorious. In, in every way, it would be just fantastic. Well, this brings us to the end, unfortunately, of our live stream. But we have so much more to cover here on The Ben Shapiro Show. Go to dailywire.com to see the rest. Or you can download it later from SoundCloud or iTunes. We are the number one conservative podcast in America. So thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next time if you're on the live stream. Otherwise, you're listening. We're going to keep going right now. Okay, so now that we've caught the wave, we can continue. So here is the, so, okay, so a couple of things. We'll get into the, the Trump polling in one second. But Hillary is so wildly incompetent. And Tim Kaine, they're, they're now trying to, now, now we've got the whole Kevin Bacon in Animal House situation going, right? We've got the, like, everything's on fire. People are running around behind Kevin Bacon. He's going, everything is fine. Stay calm. Here's Tim Kaine doing the Kevin Bacon routine from Animal House. I was a DNC chair, so, you know, I, during the first Obama term, you're not going to find anybody at the DNC or the RNC or any political organization who is a complete agnostic who doesn't have an opinion about a candidate. I mean, <laughs> those of us who are kind of in the realm, we got opinions about people. So, but there's a difference between having an opinion about somebody, having a candidate that you prefer over somebody else. There's a difference between that and trying to alter the outcome. Okay, that's pretty spectacular. So he says, there's a difference between just endorsing Hillary and trying to alter, uh-huh. Except if you actually read the emails, which make clear they are trying to alter the outcome, trotting out particular narratives in favor of Hillary Clinton. And I mean, how much of a sad sack does Tim Kaine look like in this particular freeze frame? I mean, he's just sitting there, and Hillary Clinton is sitting there going like, oh, you're my little stepping stool, aren't you, Tim Kaine? You shall bring me power! And he's sitting like, oh, my God, my life. That's what all these VP candidates do now. That's all they do. They sit there and they, Mike Pence, Tim Kaine, they probably go somewhere after, the, after these conventions are over and just drink heavily. And they, oh, God, can you believe what I made of my life? That, that's, that's where it is now. Okay, fine. So Hillary is terrible at everything. And this just demonstrates, again, she's a Nixonian figure, a deeply Nixonian figure, hiring Debbie Wasserman Schultz. The whole thing is in disarray. It's all falling apart. So what do the Democrats do? What do the Democrats do? They blame the Russians. So here is the Democratic National (laughs) Convention's Robbie Mook. He's the campaign manager for Hillary for America. And now he's going to blame the Russians. Uh, 
uh, experts are telling us that uh, <coughs> Russian state actors broke into the DNC, stole these emails, and uh, other experts are now saying that they are the Russians are releasing these emails for the purpose of actually helping Donald Trump. I don't think it's coincidental that these emails were released uh, on the eve of our convention here. And, and that's disturbing. Uh, and I think we need to be concerned about that. I think we need to be concerned that we also saw uh, last week at the Republican convention that Trump and his allies made changes to the Republican platform uh, uh, to make it more pro-Russian. And, and we saw him talking about how NATO shouldn't intervene to defend, necessarily should intervene to defend our Eastern European allies if they're attacked by Russia. So I think when you put all this together, it's a, it's a disturbing picture. And I think voters need to reflect on that. So I'll get to the disturbing picture in just a second, because the truth is what he's saying is not wholly untrue. I mean, the fact is that Trump, as I said at the top, is very connected with the Russians, and the Russians are clearly doing things to his benefit, right? I mean, and, and that's what presumably scares Hillary, is that at night she's waking up in a cold sweat, thinking that all her emails, her intimate emails with Huma, are going to be released two weeks before the election by Vladimir Putin. By the way, we're now learning, apparently, they're saying that the, that the Russians actually dumped fake emails into this whole WikiLeaks thing. So we don't know what's real and what's fake anymore. So it's, it's totally... It, this is wild stuff. It's really wild stuff. Now, all of this wouldn't make much of a difference if Hillary were even mildly competent. Hillary is deeply incompetent. So as I mentioned, the polls have Trump jumping about six points. They also show that 68% of Americans think Hillary is not honest and not trustworthy, which leads to the question, did the other 32% of Americans where they dropped on their heads as children? Because clearly she's not honest and she's not trustworthy. But more than that, she is utterly tone deaf. She is super tone deaf. So I think there are a few reasons why Trump got a big bump from the convention. I think the primary reason that Trump got a big bump from the convention is because Hillary is so tone deaf. So Trump gives this big speech last Thursday. We didn't have a chance to talk about it because we don't have a Friday show. This will be rectified soon, by the way. But the, the, we didn't get a chance to talk about it. My take on Trump's speech text was that it was very good. I said this online. I didn't like his delivery. I thought he yelled his way through it. But the text was effective and his approach was effective. So the entire media went nuts. It's dark. It's deep. It's dank. It's dark. He's saying America's a terrible place. Oh, God. Okay, so here's the thing. Most Americans think America's on the wrong track. When Trump says we have a crime problem, most Americans go, yep, particularly when they're seeing cops shot in major cities across the United States. When Trump says we have an ISIS problem, most Americans go, yeah, yeah, that's true. See that? When people say, when, when he says our economy is not booming, most Americans go, yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Hillary comes out and Hillary does this routine where she acts like everything is hunky-dory because she can't run away from Obama's record because she's running on his record. So it puts her in a really awkward position. Seven out of 10 Americans believe this is, this is why Barack Obama has really taken the heart out of the Democratic Party on the local and state level. Most, most Americans still like Obama. They just think he's a crappy president. So he has a 56% approval rating, but it's like 70% of Americans think the country's moving in the wrong direction. How do you reconcile those two? People like Obama personally, but they think he's really not a very good president. They're not a very effective president. In any case, Hillary makes a bunch of mistakes over the weekend. So instead of her saying, all of the concerns that Donald Trump expressed are real and true, here are the better solutions. Instead of doing that, she does the, no, he's slandering America. Everything is great. Most Americans don't think things are great. Most Americans don't think things are great. She's tone deaf, so she doesn't say that. And then she's, she's supremely tone deaf I mean, just on, on a variety of issues. Hillary Clinton is incredibly tone deaf. She's, she's tone deaf when it comes to crime. I mean, the, the Black Lives Matter movement is leading this convention, like really leading this convention. We mentioned last week that there are, I think, six or seven mothers of women who are associated with Black Lives Matter or, or men associated with Black Lives Matter. Their mothers are speaking at this convention, which is pretty amazing. Picking Tim Kaine didn't do her any favors. No one knows who the guy is. It's not spicy. It doesn't change the narrative. And then she did this. She played the victim over the weekend. So here, here was Hillary Clinton over the weekend. And she says these sorts of things, and you have to say to yourself, does she own a mirror? There's been a concerted effort to convince people like that young man of something. Nobody's quite sure what, but of something. I often feel like there's the Hillary standard, and then there's the standard for everybody else. What's and, the Hillary standard? Well, it, it is, uh, you know, a lot of, as you saw at the Republican convention, uh, unfounded, inaccurate, mean-spirited attacks with no basis in truth, uh, reality, which take on a life of their own. And for whatever reasons, and I don't want to try to analyze the reasons, I, I see it, I understand it, um, people are very uh, willing to say things about me, to make accusations.
about me that are, are I don't get upset about them anymore, but they, they are very regrettable. Why do you put yourself through it? Because I really believe in this country, and boy do I believe in it now more than ever uh, after seeing what was presented last week. Uh, I, I believe that we are better than what we are hearing in the political discourse. I believe we can work together. Uh, okay, so she's terrible at this. Scott Pelley, like, why do you put yourself through it, Hillary? Why do you sacrifice for the people so? Should we just make you a saint now? I mean, like... You've done so many miracles in your lifetime, like that, and also that thing one time. You're the best. Why do you do it? Why are you so wonderful? I love you, Hillary Clinton. It's just ridiculous. But but the point that she's making, I love that she says there's a double standard. There's Clinton corruption and everybody else's. Right. Your kind of corruption would put anybody else in jail, gang. The idea that Hillary Clinton is sitting there telling us that she's somehow being held to a different standard. She is. It is a lower standard. So that's the, the, so she's tone deaf. I mean, playing herself as the victim is ridiculous. Brushing off the DNC, DNC scandal, as we mentioned, is absolutely asinine. Blaming the Russians, it looks weak. I mean, it's true the Russians did this, but it looks like paran it looks paranoid and it looks like blame shifting. It's it's not the central issue. The central issue isn't where the emails came from. The central issue is the content of the emails, obviously. Plus, everybody hates her. Everybody thinks she's awful. Even Barack Obama who's out there stumping for Hillary Clinton today, he thinks Hillary is just deadly dull, and he basically said that the other day. There's 11. And what I would say would be that this is somebody who knows as much about domestic and foreign policy as anybody, is tough as nails, is motivated by... Uh, what's best for America and ordinary people, understands that in this democracy that we have, uh, it, things don't always happen as fast as we'd like, and it requires compromise and grinding it out. Um, she's not always flashy, and there are better speech makers. But she knows her stuff. More than anything, that is what I like that. She's not very flashy, and she's a pretty crappy speech maker. But <laughs> could he wait any longer there before he gets to the punchline? Hey, you know, Obama can't stand her. Nobody can stand her because Hillary's terrible. So that's why Hillary is dropping like a stone in these polls. Trump looks like he gets the American people better than she does because he at least is willing to call out the problems. As I've been saying for weeks, Trump is great at diagnostics and he's terrible at prognosis. So when he's the kind of guy who rightly identifies that you have cancer and then he suggests that the cure for cancer is to stick your head below the back tire of a Ford Explorer. Right. So it's not like his solutions are bad, but at least the diagnosis is good. Hillary doesn't even bother with the with the diagnosis. You, you come in with a giant tumor coming off the side of your head and she's oh, you're fine. You're fine. Don't worry about it. Everything's cool. I got this. I mean, it's, it's so, no, nobody trusts her. Nobody trusts her. OK, so all of that said, the Democrats are just falling apart. There are major divisions inside the Democratic Party. On the right side of the aisle, there's a major consolidation. And you're seeing it in the reaction to what Ted Cruz did last week. So the new CNN poll, and it shows that Cruz's favorability among Republicans has dropped from 60% to 33% in one week. And that was largely because of the setup that we discussed last Thursday, the kind of setup situation that Trump created where, where Cruz made a deal with him, and then Trump stabbed him directly in the kidney. Because he figured, okay, I can, I can take care of this guy once and for all. And Trump is a revenge politician. It's all he cares about in life is revenge. We'll get to that in, in just a second. But it shows that right now Republicans are desperate, desperate to come around Trump. They're desperate to, to come around Trump. So before we even get to that, it's time for a little bit, unfortunately, of bad Trump. So the fact is that Trump right now should be leading by 10. I mean, with all this chaos in the Democratic Party— he should be up big. He's already up a little, which is which is good for Trump, obviously. But here are some of the things that Donald Trump said over the weekend. So Donald Trump was asked about David Duke. David Duke is now running for Senate in Louisiana. Okay, and this is going to put the wood to some of the people who I've been talking to who keep saying, well, I'll vote for anybody as long as they're not a Democrat. Okay, well, what if it's David Duke? I mean, I said this to someone I greatly, I said this to Dennis Prager on the air. I said to Dennis Prager, you know, where would you draw the line? He said, uh, he said give me an example. I said, like, David Duke would probably be better than the Democrat in the Senate he couldn't really do anything about his racism, and he might vote the right way on justices. And Dennis said that would be a bridge too far for me. Well, now David Duke's actually running for the Senate, so we're going to find out whether this is true or not. Chuck Todd asks Donald Trump about David Duke. And as you recall, Donald Trump 
months ago, he pretended he didn't know who David Duke was in an interview with CNN's Jake Tapper. Here is Donald Trump being asked about David Duke running for Senate by Chuck Todd. David Duke announced his Senate candidacy, claiming your agenda for his own, or essentially saying, glad that you spoke out. Are you ready before you ask the question? Newt Gingrich said, every Republican should repudiate this guy, I no did. matter what it takes. And I do. Are you ready? Would I you wanted, support I a Democrat over David Duke? if it was what was necessary to defeat him? I guess depending on who the Democrat, but the answer would be yes. Look, the answer is uh, as quick as you can say it. In fact, I want to answer you before you totally even ask the question. Because right? yeah. last time, with another person in your position, I did it very quickly, and they said he didn't do it fast enough. Rebuked. Is that okay? Rebuked. Rebuked. Done. Done. Okay, so <laughs> it's a, notice that Trump isn't doing this on principle. He's doing it because last time he got caught out on it. But I do love that even there, he says it depends on who the Democrat is, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. But in any case, so Trump does this, and that's that's not bad, Trump. That's just that's just Trump. Here is now we get to, to some other to some other Trump. So Trump was asked about the the Muslim ban, you know, the idea of banning Muslims from the country. Now there is nothing unconstitutional, by the way, about religious discrimination against foreigners. Really, there isn't. It, the Constitution doesn't apply to foreigners, so it's it's very difficult to make the case on a constitutional and not right or wrong. This is a Constitution question, a legal question. Even leftist scholars will acknowledge the Constitution basically has nothing to say about whether a certain group of people are barred from entering the country or not, as long as they're not citizens. But here is Trump talking about the Constitution and uh, and Islam. I'm looking now at territories. People were so upset when I used the word Muslim. Oh, you can't use the word Muslim. Remember this. And I'm okay with that because I'm talking territory instead of Muslim. But just remember this. Our Constitution is great. But it doesn't necessarily give us the right to commit suicide, okay? Now, we have a religious, you know, everybody wants to be protected. And that's great. And that's the wonderful part of our Constitution. I view it differently. Why are we committing suicide? Why are we doing that? You know what? I live with our Constitution. I love our Constitution. I cherish our Constitution. We're making it territorial. We have nations, and we'll come out. I'm going to be coming out over the next few weeks with a number of the places. And it's very complex. Well, I don't know what he's talking about, but his take on the Constitution is so ridiculous there that it just, he doesn't know the first thing about the Constitution. First of all, the Constitution, as I say, applies to domestic citizens. That's all he has to say. Right, if he really believes in the Muslim ban that he's, that he's been espousing for months. But for him to imply that the Constitution of the United States is some sort of suicide pact, the last person who said that was Lincoln, and he was suspending the writ of habeas corpus at the time, and we were in the middle of a civil war. I don't think that that's the case right now. Trump has also been reaching out heavily to Bernie Sanders. He says that the Tim Kaine pick was a slap in the face to, to Sanders supporters. This is actually, this is, this is good Trump, okay? So, here's, so it's time for a little bit of good Trump. So here's a little bit of good Trump. So it's, it's politically clever. I don't particularly like that Sanders supporters are going to come to, to Trump because I think that Sanders supporters are on the left. I think Trump is also on the left. But here is, is Bernie, here's Trump making what is a pretty smart play for Bernie Sanders supporters who, as you saw, are now booing the idea of voting for Hillary Clinton. I'm not a fan of Bernie Sanders, yeah. but I am a fan of one thing that he talks about trade. He's the only one on that side that understands trade. Now, he can't do anything about it because that's not his thing. But he has been gamed. He has been, it's a rigged system against him. And... Mm -hmm. What happened with the choice of Tim Kaine was a slap in the face to Bernie Sanders and everybody. I was shocked. Okay, so this is, this is actually smart by Trump. Okay, so, all, so even the stuff I don't like here, the, the stuff I was mentioning before, is not bad. Okay, that isn't the bad stuff. The bad stuff about Trump is that Trump is crazy. Okay, the bad stuff about Trump, we didn't talk about this on Friday because we weren't here. On Friday, the day after, I mean, it was, it was maddening. If you're a Trump fan, it should be maddening to you. The day after Trump gives a very highly successful speech, he then spends the next morning, he's trying to thank his supporters, right? He comes in to thank his supporters. And instead of thanking his supporters, he decides that what would really be important is to go after Ted Cruz again. Very important to go after Ted Cruz again. So first, he starts by attacking Ted Cruz's father, right? He says it is 19A. He goes after Ted Cruz's dad. All I did is point out the fact that on the cover of the National Enquirer, there was a picture of her, him and crazy Lee Harvey Oswald having breakfast. Now, Ted never denied that it was his father. Instead, he said, Donald Trump, I had nothing to do with it. Okay, and so he attacks again. He goes back to this whole Ted Cruz's dad assassinated JFK thing. But he didn't stop there. He also decided it was important to rehash the Heidi Cruz thing. You remember he called Heidi Cruz ugly, basically. When I saw somebody tweeted a picture of Melania, 
and a picture of Heidi, who I think, by the way, is a very nice woman and a very beautiful woman. I have to tell you, I think Heidi Cruz is a great person. I, I think it's the best thing he's got going and his kids, if you want to know the truth. <sighs> so he's lying, right? I mean, he didn't, that's not what he did. He tweeted a picture of her basically saying that she was ugly. And then he didn't stop there. He said he doesn't want Ted Cruz's endorsement under any circumstances. I like Ted. He's fine. Again, I don't want his endorsement. If he gives it, I will not accept it, just so you understand. If he gives it, I will, I will not accept it. It won't cheer, matter. Honestly, he should have done it because nobody cares. And he would have been in better shape for four years from now if he's going to be. I don't think I don't see him winning anyway, frankly. OK, so he goes after Ted Cruz again because that's what he does. Right. So this is the day after his big speech that was supposed to bring the Republican Party together. And everybody was getting around him. Right. The day after he does this. And that's not all. Over the weekend, he says he's going to fund a super PAC, a super PAC against Ted Cruz and John Kasich for not supporting him. He's going to try and primary a couple of Republicans for not supporting him. So he's got all this money. And instead of spending it against Democrats, he's going to spend it against the guy who tried to kill Obamacare and the sitting Republican governor of Ohio whose help he needs to win the state. This is genius stuff. Here's him talking about starting his new super PAC. Are you really going to fund a super PAC? to help defeat well, Hillary in Well, it's not the number one thing on my mind. Look, okay. what's on my mind is beating Hillary Clinton. What's on my mind is winning for the Republican Party. With that being said, yeah, I'll probably do a super PAC, at, you know, when they run, mm -hmm. against Kasich okay. for 10 to $20 million, All right. against uh, Ted Cruz, All right. and maybe one other person that I'm thinking about. The other person he's thinking about is Ben Sass, who's the senator from Nebraska who's had the temerity to say, that Trump is a dumpster fire. So all of that, so Trump, instead of uniting the party, on the Democratic side, you can see they're tearing themselves apart. On the Republican side, even people like me, I mean, we're getting heavy pressure to jump in the Trump camp, right? One of the things, one of the reasons that I'm not jumping on the Trump train is because of stuff like this. So you've got the entire Republican party saying, you gotta jump on the Trump train, even as he moves to rip away any semblance of decency from the Republican party. So you got Scott Walker out there saying, yeah, we're uniting around Trump, we're coming around Trump as the governor of Wisconsin saying just that. There's an increasing sense of unity uh, around Donald Trump. As I point out, I joke, you know, Donald Trump wasn't my first pick. I was my first pick. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a little laugh with that. But but I said, what is your first, your second, your 17th? Um, it shouldn't matter. Uh, here in Cleveland back last August, I said that any Republican running would be better than Hillary Clinton. I meant it then, I mean it now. And I think for most of us as delegates, whether Donald Trump was your absolute first pick or, or he was further down the line, the delegates here realize that it's either Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. There's no other choice, and Hillary Clinton would be an abysmal, abysmal failure. Okay, so if you want to make the argument, and I've been seeing this argument all over, we've been talking about it for weeks, that Trump will be better than Hillary back Trump. Fine, that's your argument. I may disagree in the long term. The, one of the reasons I disagree in the long term is because I think that a victorious Trump would rip away any semblance of conservatism and decency from the Republican Party. Really, I think that's what would happen. That doesn't mean I want Hillary president. I want them both to be put in a rowboat and pushed far offshore. But if Trump is going to do damage, he's going to do some serious damage. And the reason I say that is because after Trump does his little routine, after Trump does his little, I'm going to fund a super PAC to oppose Republicans, Ted Cruz's dad murdered JFK routine, after he did that little routine, the head of the RNC, Reince Priebus, who's just a little pansy, Reince Priebus comes out and he says, well, you know, there's nothing really wrong with that. He says, okay. Division no is profit in, in, in the world of cable news. If you're dividing, you're making money. Anytime you see a split screen, it's, you know, one person saying X, the other one saying Y. Now you fight about it for the next six minutes. There is no money in, in, in unity. And so it, it, it is a profit center to divide people, to divide politics, to divide parties. And that's what you see on television. Okay, and, he, and then he then comes out, Reince Priebus, and he says quite openly, and I'm trying to find the direct quote here, he says, quote, he's got a right to talk about whatever he wants to talk about. However, I don't think he was ever saying this was some sort of factual information. This is about the Ted Cruz's dad killing JFK routine. It was something he referred to. He's talked about it. He's gotten off from it. As far as I'm concerned, we can move on from it. I've seen people that I respect, people I work with, do the same thing about this. Oh, well, no big deal. The same people who spent years, years yelling about how it was a lie that Bush lied and people died are now justifying Donald Trump saying the same thing. Truth is no longer a right-wing value. Truth is a conservative value, but it is not 
a right-wing value. Okay, because what, what's happening now is that the Republican Party is actually doing a better job of unifying around Donald Trump and then backing his lies than the Democratic Party is around Hillary Clinton and backing her corruption. I mean, that's sad to say about your own party, but that's, that's what I'm seeing. I mean, when, remember this. When Ted Cruz said he wouldn't endorse Donald Trump or at least didn't endorse him strongly enough at the convention, he was booed off the stage. When Bernie Sanders said he would endorse Hillary Clinton, he was booed off the stage. Now, it shows you something. And so I want to address this, this one point, because I think it's very important. I get a lot of flack, a lot of flack, of people saying, well, why, why do you go after Trump? First of all, as you've seen, I spent three quarters of the show going after Hillary Clinton. But when people say, why do you go after Trump? Why, why don't you just shut up about Trump? After all, do you want her to win? Here's my answer. It is not my moral responsibility to lie for Donald Trump. That's not my moral responsibility. It isn't. And I know this argument. Ace of Spades, he's a blogger. I really enjoy his work, typically. He wrote this piece about how, basically... It is your, if you're a never-Trumper, it's your responsibility, your moral responsibility if Hillary Clinton wins. And he says, quote, either Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton will be president in November. If you think Hillary would be a better president, fine, I respect your opinion. We all have different brains. But what I must insist you cannot do is fantasize that while a Trump supporter is responsible for the gaffes and disasters of a President Trump, you are somehow innocent of the purges and witch hunts of a President Hillary. Trump supporters will own the consequences of a Trump presidency, and Hillary supporters, both those who declare it proudly and those who wish it secretly, own the consequences of a Hillary presidency. Adults accept the consequences of their choices. So here's where there's, this logic falls apart, because this logic is not correct. The reason this logic is not correct is because what people tend to do is they tend to conflate legal causation with moral causation. Let me give you an example. Okay, let me give you an example. You see a murder occur. You see a murder occur. And then you go and you tell the cops about it. Is it your fault the murderer goes to jail, or is it the murderer's fault the murderer goes to jail? So according to these fault, you would be, according to these folks, you would bear moral responsibility for the murderer going to jail. According to me, you don't bear any moral responsibility. You told the truth about a bad thing that happened. What's happening right now is that the Republicans are now trying to force people not just to back Donald Trump with their vote, because my vote doesn't mean anything. That's not what they're concerned about. The reason people are pissed at me is not because of how I'm voting. I vote in California. My vote doesn't mean anything. Right? I'm going to get outvoted by 30%. It doesn't make a difference. The, the reason people care about what I'm doing is because they say the things that I say are hurting Donald Trump. So the implication is, if I say something true about Trump, and it has the effect of hurting Donald Trump, it's my fault if Trump loses. This I refuse to accept. And the reason I refuse to accept it is because it's not true. It's Donald Trump's fault if Donald Trump says things that are stupid and I comment on them. It's Donald Trump's fault if he says things that are morally unpalatable and I comment on them. I'm not going to be Chris Christie to watch Donald Trump get elected. I'm not going to be Shinebox. That's not my deal. It's not your deal either. As I've said at this point at least a thousand times, if you want to vote for Donald Trump, vote for Donald Trump. But don't lie about Donald Trump because lies are bad. The fact that we have to go back to rudimentary moral reasoning now. Lies are bad. It's the reason why both parties are now filled with liars, because there are too many people who believe that lies aren't bad so long as it's somebody on your side telling it. Lies are bad regardless. Right? When Hillary lies, that's bad. When Trump lies, that's bad. You should not lie just because you like somebody. The reason, in fact, you should support somebody is because they lie less. The reason you should support someone is because they're better as a human being, and they have better principles, and those principles matter. And the fact that people are willing to turn themselves into mouthpieces for Trumpism just because they hate Hillary so much, that's what I find troubling. And that's why I think conservatism is in trouble, because I'm seeing it happen a lot. I'm seeing it happen across the board. People I respect, people I don't respect, people coming out and pretending that when Donald Trump does bad things, it's totally okay because at least we're trying to defeat Hillary Clinton. It's not okay. You can still want him to defeat Hillary Clinton. That's fine. But please, for the love of God, do not do this routine where a Trump lie becomes not a lie because his last name isn't Clinton. That's ridiculous. Okay, all that said, I mean, that, that's the fight. I really believe that's the, the fight for the heart and soul of the Republican Party right there is, is, is not even whether you vote for Trump or don't vote for Trump, back Trump or not back Trump. It's whether you are willing to lie for Trump or not willing to lie for Trump. That's the great moral conflict to me. Don't lie for candidates. Your values, your soul is worth a little bit more than that, folks. You can vote for whomever you want. But don't lie to cover up other people's lies. It's silliness. You don't owe anybody that, least of all some candidate who doesn't give a damn about you. All right, time for some things I like and time for some things I don't like. So this week, we're going to be doing, since apparently the Russians hacked the, the RNC server, we're going to be doing Russian movies, movies with Russian characters. So the, to start off, I've, I've mentioned it before, but I don't think I've actually done, the, I don't think I've actually done this as a, as a thing I like. Eastern Promises. 
great movie, Viggo Mortensen, uh, and uh, it's it's really it's really a very strong film. It's it's definitely rated R. It's a very R-rated film, but it's a very effective movie. So here's what the preview looks like. We think he might be Russian mafia. And he was a member of Vodev Sokolnia. In Russian prisons, your life story is written on your body. In tattoos. If you don't have tattoos, you don't exist. I'm afraid we've lost the mother. An identified woman died December the 20th, 2313. Baby girl born 20th of December, 2314. Anya, where did you get this? found it in the handbag of a girl who died in my ward. You should bury her secrets with her body. I'm a midwife. I was hoping to speak to the manager. Yeah, and I'm so sorry if she had worked here. I would remember it is said. It's all right. I'll probably find out more once I get her diary translated. A diary? You want to go for a drink? It's Christmas. Everything's closed. Sometimes, if things are closed, you just open them up. This girl ended up in the hands of the Vorifa Sokonyi. Do you know what that means? Okay, so, we can stop it there. So, yeah, the movie's really open. intense. If you haven't seen it, really good movie. Uh, David Cronenberg is not one of my favorite directors. I thought A History of Violence was a terrible film, but this Eastern Promise is a very, very good film. All right, so, okay, time for some things that I hate. So, the DNC always wins the celebrity game. At this, uh, at, at in terms of in terms of who comes to their convention, so there's also so so all of these dumb celebrities are going to the DNC and everybody is losing their mind over it. Oh, look at all these famous idiots going to the DNC. Who's coming? It's like Demi Lovato and um, so who else is coming? It's like Demi Lovato, Katy Perry, Lena Dunham. Um, very important that Lena Dunham show up um, because Lena Dunham has to go and talk about how she apparently molested her sister, as she talks about in her book. Very important. Uh, we've got uh, we've got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is showing up, which is very exciting. Uh, Poot Lovato is showing up, which is which is very exciting. So it's it's a whole group of these celebrities, and I understand the Republicans were trying to do the same thing. Somebody asked me over the weekend if you were to run a convention, what would it look like? And I said it wouldn't be a bunch of speeches. Number one, I'd actually run it like a TV show. So you know, some of these well-produced videos I think would be effective. We're never going to out celebrity the Democrats because the Democrats' entire pitch is moral superiority through voting for us. Right, all these celebrities love Hillary Clinton, and they love this whole routine. Um, but yeah, it just it goes to show you the celebrity culture is what drives Democrats. One of the reasons, by the way, it drives Republicans too. Apparently, that's why Donald Trump is the nominee. If the guy had zero percent name recognition, the chances that he would be the nominee are approximately negative thirty. Okay, so other things that I hate. So there's this video going around of this drunk Texan guy losing his mind over "Make America Great Again," uh, and here's what it what it looks like. What is this about? Make America white again. I'm drunk. I'm finna get over here. I'm just tired of seeing all this racist shit. I don't want to live in a world without black women. I love black women. I ain't going to super cuts to get a fing edge up. They gonna f my shit up nine times out of ten. I don't want to live in a world without. NFL, NBA, stand-up comedy. That is funny as to me. Eddie Griffin, Red Fox. To me, me personally, there is not a more attractive woman than a black woman. Okay. <laughs> Since when the fuck has American ever been white? What, when we came over here and killed the Indians? And whenever we brought black folks over here to do the work? That's what makes America great. All the different people that work together, live together. Shut that, make America white again. Whatever the f these assholes are saying, shut that sh up. Okay, so first of all, I don't know what this make America white again thing is that he's talking about. Maybe it's an alt-right thing. Obviously, I agree. I will say that I find it absolutely hysterical that you can say anything racist that you want, like the most racist crap imaginable, so long as you're saying it for diversity. Right, I mean, if you're a racist guy and he's like, oh, I love black women, you'd be like, oh, well, that's weird. Right, if you're a racist guy and you were saying, you know what I love? I love stand-up comedy. I love when black people throw popcorn at the screen. Like, what, really? Like, you can't, you can't 
like what? <laughs> like, <laughs> that, that's that's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. So it's what I love is when when the left tries to create this false dichotomy in the United States between you know the the supposed right wing that wants to make America white again and all the other diverse, wonderful people who are diverse and wonderful. Okay, the fact is this. Let's look at American history briefly for just a second. The reality is that white European males created the system under which we live. That had nothing to do with their color. It didn't. It had to do with their ideas. Ideas are what matter. The fact that they're white is irrelevant to me. I don't care. It makes no difference to me whether they were white or black or green. It doesn't make any difference to me whatsoever. It's their ideas that were good. The fact that anybody sees these things in terms of race is beyond me. It, it does irritate me, however, that there's a, the whole point of this thing becoming popular is that the idea is that here's a drunk guy in a cowboy hat who isn't a racist. The implication being that if it were that 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 normally a drunk guy in a cowboy hat would be a racist, right? That's that's why it's making those rounds. Because if it were just a drunk guy in like Beverly Hills, you'd be like, okay, well, of course he's saying those things. But it's a drunk guy in a cowboy hat, therefore it's therefore it's it's fine. I I hate discussions of um, in terms of race generally because I don't think that stand-up comedians are better because they're black or white, or women are better because they're black or white. If this guy is a thing for black women. All right, but it's, but it's just that that's not your that's not a really great excuse for diversity, right? That's that's, that's so, you know. I think that we need to get beyond I, half of what he's saying is true. The problem is that it's conflated with with some other things that that aren't particularly true, namely the underlying message, which is that there's a group of people in America, a large swath of people who want to make America white again. I don't think that's true. I think there are some people. I get hit by them all the time, so I believe me, I know they're there. But I think that's a vast, vast, vast minority of the population. Uh, and I think that the implication otherwise uh, is a little bit disquieting. Okay, so tomorrow I'm sure there's going to be lots more from this Democratic dumpster fire to talk about. Tonight we get Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and Michelle Obama. It's going to be so much fun. Maybe the Bernie Sanders supporters are going to hold their fart in. They were supposed to do that tonight, so that's really exciting, where they just they all just start farting simultaneously. Presumably they would do that in the middle of Michelle Obama's speech because they like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. I think they're kind of lukewarm about Michelle. Uh, so she'd be the least the least offensive one to fart during or something. I don't know. But we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. Uh, in any case, it is destined to be an event filled with hot air. So we'll give you all the latest updates. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.